How can conspiracy theories become a form of idolatry? I've written a column for the latest Issues Etc. journal titled, Yes, Elvis is Dead, But God is in His Heaven, a pastoral response to conspiracy theories. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Julie Stegemeyer writes about her path from Methodism to Lutheranism. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Now pay close attention, little children. It's somebody you ought to know. Yeah, it's all about a man that walked on earth nearly 2,000 years ago. The general of the Syrian army, Naaman, had a problem. He was suffering from leprosy, and the solution was in Israel, in the hands of Elisha the prophet, the man of God. Elisha gives him the solution, go wash in the Jordan seven times and you will be healed. Naaman doesn't like what he hears, and yet at long last, Naaman complies and is healed. What is that story really about? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to teach a Sunday school lesson on Naaman and Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 5, Pastor Tom Baker. He's host of a radio show called Law and Gospel. For almost 30 years, he met monthly to prepare his Sunday school teachers for the classroom. Tom, welcome. Thank you. What do we need to know about Israel and Syria to understand this lesson? Well, Naaman, who was the commander of the army of the king of Syria, that was a Gentile area. That was not a believing area. And so the people there were not believers in Christianity. And he was a great man, and he was held in high favor, Naaman was, because the Lord had given him victory to Syria. So when he fought battles, he would win them. And he was a mighty man of valor, but he also was a leper. What does it mean when it says that the Lord had given victory to Syria? It means that God doesn't give victory unless he so wills it. In other words, when victory occurs, and it was particularly the king of Syria, remember the Israelites will be going into Babylonian captivity, and Nebuchadnezzar was given victory over the Israelites in order to bring them around to a proper understanding of God. They went into, well, prison in a sense, as slaves for many years before God allowed them to come back to Israel and rebuild the temple and everything. So God uses unbelieving groups in order to accomplish his will. And in this case, it's clear that Naaman was given a mighty strength by God himself in order to get the reputation that he had. How did Naaman learn about the prophet Elisha? Well, it just so happened that the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. Now, we never get her name, but boy, does she become important. 
and she worked as a servant of Naaman's wife. And so one day she said to Naaman's wife, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. And that's how Naaman heard about it. And so Naaman went in and told his lord, the king, thus so-and-so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Assyria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel if you can be healed there. And so that was the thinking on the part of the king of Syria. Why did Naaman first send a letter to the king of Israel? Well, what he wanted to do is get on the right side. So when he went to Israel, he took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels, and that was about 75 pounds of shekels worth about two-thirds of an ounce on 11 grams. So that was quite a bit. And then Naaman took them and gold and 10 changes of clothing. And he brought all of that and the letter to the king of Israel. And the letter said, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Now at that time, we believe that the king of Israel was the son of Ahab, and he was not a believer. He was a lot like Ahab, worshiping false gods and such. And so that was very important to understand. His name was Jehorham, J-E-H-O-R-A-M. And he worshiped the golden calves, yet he was wise enough to know that his golden calves could not cure Naaman. So when he got this letter, he was really upset and he tore his clothes. And he said, am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man, this king sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. So the king of Israel, who did not have faith in God, was really worried about it. And tearing his clothes was one of several ways the Israelites showed great anger and grief. In fact, this is still the custom in some countries today. And it was the custom with the high priest when Jesus was arrested. What did Elisha say to the king? Well, when Elisha, and he's the man of God, remember, he's taking up Elijah's place, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, 
he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let Naaman come to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. And so Elisha gives a command to the king of Israel to send Naaman to him. And that's what Elijah, what Naaman does. He comes with his horses, his chariots, and all his gifts and stood at the door of Elisha's house. What did Elisha say to Naaman? What did he tell him to do when Naaman came to his house? Well, Elisha didn't tell him to do anything. He instead sent a messenger to him. He himself didn't even meet with Naaman. And the messenger told Naaman, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. Well, you can only imagine the anger that took over Naaman that the prophet wouldn't even see him personally, but sends a messenger. And then, of course, he tells them to go wash in the River Jordan. So it says Naaman was angry, and he went away. And he said, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure my leprosy. And then he also added that the rivers of Damascus from where he was, namely the Abana and Farpar, they're better than all the waters of Israel. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So in rage, he turned and went away from the house of Elisha. Why was he so angry? He was so angry because, first of all, Elisha wouldn't meet him personally. And it's kind of like you get a note from the president of the United States that he's got something important to say, and you go to his house and it's some cabinet member that comes out and tells you what the president said. The president himself doesn't even come out and talk to you. Well, that's not very good from your point of view. I thought I was to talk to the president. So he was angry about that. And then, as I've said, he was angry because he felt that the rivers of his homeland were cleaner than the rivers of Damascus, namely the Jordan. And could he not wash in them and be cleaned? So he was angry, turned away, the Bible says, in rage. How was Naaman then healed? Well, it was his own servants that came near him and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? 
So it was the servants of Naaman who came to him, urging him to follow what the messenger of Elisha had said. And so they changed his mind. After Naaman was healed, what did he say to Elijah? Well, he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. In fact, there's a little exercise put out by the Enduring Faith material of Concordia Publishing House where they can do a little stick, like a popsicle stick, they would put in water. And on the one side, there was coloring and specks for leprosy. And on the other side, it was clean. And the teacher would put the stick in and the leper side would be shown to the students. But then when the stick was pulled out, she reversed it and it was all clean. So that's what happened with Naaman. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and stood before him. And he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. In other words, he was going to give to Elisha all of the gifts that he had brought to the king of Israel. And it was a way of thanking him for what he had done. This often happens to us pastors. We'll go and help somebody at the hospital, and they may want to give us some money in thanking us to come. But a pastor will recognize that that is inappropriate. And that's what Elisha did. After he was told by name, and there's no other God, he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none of your gifts. And he urged him to take it, but Elisha refused. And this is a way of showing that his healing was free of charge. He was saved by God's grace. And he believed then that this was the true God because of the miracle that had occurred. Is there a connection to baptism in this Old Testament story? There certainly is for the children because you may have a child who has an illness or is lame. You can assure them that God will heal that illness, perhaps not while they're here on earth, but certainly when they go to heaven. They will have a body like Jesus with no pain, no sorrow, no injury, etc. And therefore, it's by grace through faith 
And how do you assure that to the children? You assure them by telling them about what baptism does. When you are baptized with water, and we don't dip a child seven times, but we put water on three times in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then there is a promise from the Bible that those who are baptized then receive two gifts, the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the forgiveness of sins. And they now move into the life of sanctification where the Holy Spirit guides them in doing what is according to the will of God. And all of this is free. I've never taken money for a baptism. I'll sometimes take a gift for a wedding, but not for a baptism, because that is by grace, through faith, on account of Jesus Christ. And this is really important because we know that Syria, where Naaman came from, was not a believing country. But this showed an important point that God wants everyone to be saved. And it's clear that that salvation came not only to Naaman, but also to his servants who urged him to go to the waters and get baptized, so to speak. And I'm sure his wife also, and many others that he talked to when he returned to Syria. What is the long gospel of this lesson? The law is pretty clear. Namely, sin has its effects and it slowly kills our body and sometimes our soul. And this is an ongoing process from our birth on. And there's no way to stop the sin. We sin by thought, word, and deed. And there's nothing in our power to make us sinless. But when we are baptized, and this is the gospel, Jesus cleanses us from our sin. And therefore, at the resurrection on the last day, our bodies will be totally healed and they will be perfect like his is. In other words, we will be cleansed also from our sin. And in heaven, never sin by thought, word, or deed. Pastor Tom Baker is host of a radio show called Law and Gospel. For almost 30 years, he met monthly to prepare his Sunday school teachers for the classroom. Tom, thanks. And thank you. Of course, the promise for us is that in the washing of holy baptism, not seven times, but just once in the name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are healed of all our sin and even death itself. I'm Todd Wilkin. You're linked to Issues Etc. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. 
Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.